Hear these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed. If you do them. When he, that is, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you are anything like me, you have thought more about hand washing lately than ever before in your life. Washing your hands is one of the most effective measures to slow the spread of the coronavirus, and so this ordinary task of good hygiene has become quite the conversation point. People talk about how long to wash your hands, 20 seconds, That's two times through the happy birthday song, or once 
through the doxology, if you sing with bravado, praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's been my go-to. People are also talking about when to wash your hands before you leave home and when you arrive at work, if you're still working outside of your home. You should wash your hands before you cook, before you eat, after you blow your nose, after you pet the dog. We are also talking a lot about the specific steps that are involved in hand washing because apparently we've all been doing it wrong. I recently fell into an internet wormhole watching videos of the correct way to wash your hands. There's a method that doctors learn when they are in medical school. Turn on the water, wet your hands, turn off the water, apply soap, rub vigorously, get the backs of your hands between your fingers, don't forget your thumbs, under your fingernails, your fingertips, your wrists, all before you rinse and dry completely. Lots of talk about hand washing. And there's more. Like, did you know that statistically women are better hand washers than men? Or that soap is more reliable than sanitizer because it breaks down germs at the molecular level? I could go on. But our time is short. And it's foot washing, not hand washing, that Jesus is about. We know the story of the Last Supper. We tell, a snippet of it, we tell a snippet of it every time we celebrate communion. We talk about how on the night before he died, Jesus broke a loaf of bread and gave it to his disciples. We talk about how they shared the cup. We speak less often about how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Right in the middle of the meal, Jesus gets up and gets washing. Peter, for one, is sitting there watching this, and as Jesus moves closer to him, Peter gets antsy. He knows about foot washing. He's watched the videos, he's read the articles, he's heard the talk, and Jesus is doing it wrong. Jesus is the wrong guy for the job. Foot washing was a common act of hospitality in the ancient Middle East, but it was a dirty task reserved for servants. Even the most gracious host would never stoop so low. Jesus makes matters worse by being so insistent. Peter tries to say, no, thank you. But Jesus is firm and serious. Foot washing is supposed to be a dinner party luxury, and now it's some kind of requirement? But Jesus is mysterious. He speaks in riddles and Peter is baffled. Why is Jesus doing this? Why is it so important? And why just the feet? Why not the hands? Why not the head? And what does Jesus mean when he says, you are clean? No, it's not the foot washing that's off-putting. It's the confusing talk about it. And so we are relieved when Jesus makes it plain and practical. Do as I have done, he says. Wash one another's feet. Love one another as I have loved you. 
So what if his conversation with Peter feels unresolved? We skip past it because now Jesus has given us something to do and we love having something to do. This is especially true right now. We really want something to do. And so we wash our hands. We make our own masks. We call our friends. We help with homework. We leave dinner on the neighbor's porch. We would wash feet if that would make any difference. Through this crisis, we are all trying to love one another well. It's good. It's right. It's what Jesus calls us to do. But a call to action can also be deceptive for us. Doing things gives us the illusion of control. We like that. And in times like these, who can blame us for wanting some control? The trouble is that Holy Week is not really about that. It's not about what we do. It's about what God does for us, what we could never do for ourselves. As Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot come. His role is to secure our salvation. Our role is to receive it. And that's actually a challenge. It's an awkward position for doers like us. Jesus gets to work. And just like Peter with his feet in the basin, we have to sit with all our unworthiness and uncertainty. We have to sit with our shame, our fear, and our doubt and be loved despite it all. Bob Marley once sang, could you be loved? For us, it's a real question to be loved, to accept it as our primary identity that we are beloved children of God. So easily we get caught up in believing that we are what we do or that we are what we have or that we are what others say about us. But laying all these things aside and simply becoming the beloved, as Henry Nouwen puts it, to become the beloved, that is the great spiritual journey we have to make. The table of our Lord is a stop on that journey. Here, We are reminded of God's great love for us. It's at the table that Jesus serves us. Here, Jesus will give us himself so that we can be one. And all we have to do is to take a bite or take a sip to simply receive. We become the beloved without effort or striving. So wherever you are, as we begin the sacrament, I invite you to slow down. Slow down and breathe deeply and know that the love of God is for you.
in this time and always.